Wel, ek kom van die vrystaat en in die vrystaat, we praise God. Hallelujah. How many people here this morning can speak the heavenly language? Just wave at me and shout, Amen. Come on, somebody say, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Heere met blye galme. Hallelujah. Kost bring bekie die lewe van die Heere in die plek vanochtend in Jesus' naam. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Can you say, Amen, this morning? Come on, give somebody a high five and say, get ready. You're going over to the other side. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats this morning. It's a great privilege for me to be here this morning. I honor the pastor or the angel, the elder of this house and his wife, Pastor Theo and Pastor Bev Volmerans. And it's a great privilege for me to be able to stand here this morning and share the word of God with you. How many of you will agree that we've had outstanding teaching during this week? Yesterday was absolutely awesome. As a matter of fact, the whole week was awesome. And this morning I really believe that God wants me to bring a word of motivation, a word of encouragement, especially to the ministers. And the name of my message this morning is, get ready to go from almost to utmost. Get ready to go from your almost to utmost. Now listen to me this morning. God chooses people that are living at almost to do things at the utmost level. There are many Christians today who almost succeed, who almost live the abundant life, who almost come to church, who almost pay their tithe, who almost have a good marriage, who almost have everything together. They come to a conference like this, they get inspired, but when they go out, they still live at the almost level and not the utmost level. And how many of you know, as a minister of God, pastors here this morning, God has called you to live not only at the almost level, almost succeeding, just slightly short of, but God has called you to live at the utmost level, the mega most level, the God level, the abundant level. The higher level is what God has for you this morning. And my dear brother and my sister, the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? We are living in a nation where many people are living as victims, where God says we are victors. Whatsoever is born of God, overcome of this world, and this is the victory that overcome of this world, even our faith. Somebody say, glory to God, or just look happy. And if you don't understand that, buy the tape and get somebody to interpret that for you. It is the hour of nobodies, my brother and my sister. Unfortunately, in many places, a spirit of entertainment is coming to the church. And in many places, there is too much fashion and too little passion. Too much recognition of man, too little recognition of God. Everyone trying to impress everybody instead of trying to make an impression in the heart of God. And I want you to know this morning, if you are going to succeed in life, you will have to be a God lover. You are going to have to be a God follower. You are going to have to be a man and a woman that loves God more than anything else, no matter what the price, my brother and my sister. Because listen to me, not everybody will go with you to your destiny. Not everybody will like you all the time. Not everybody will agree with you all the time when you're a man of God. But thank God we have been called to please God. We have been called to be followers of our Lord Jesus Christ and not followers of man. Can you say amen this morning? Almost means not quite enough. Almost having everything together. Just slightly short of God's standard and God's measure. And let me say this to you. And I thank God for conferences. I thank God for churches. But my brother and my sister, until you don't run into God, your life will not change. 
Because theory and principles can help you to get to God. But in the end of the day, you have to run in El Shaddai. You have to find yourself like Jacob, wrestling with God and having a God encounter. Too many people have a pastor encounter, an evangelist encounter, and keep their eyes on a man as a great man of God. But I want you to know today, it is the hour of nobodies. There is one great, his name is Jehovah. There is one good, his name is God. There is one worthy of praise and adoration. His name is Jesus Christ this morning. Come on, somebody say amen. So if you are seeking greatness, you are in the wrong place. Yes, God will make you great because God has a purpose. God will not make you great to tickle your, your ego, thank you. <laughs> God will make you great because He loves you. And that's what we want to speak about this morning. But let's understand, when Jesus rides the donkey... Into Jerusalem, let not the donkey think he's the great one, but let the donkey remember he's carrying the great one. It would be real stupid if the donkey thought everybody was praising him and clapping hands for him. And as long as you can say, hee-haw, hee-haw, yea, Lord, nay, Lord, then God can use you. But the moment you think yourself to become somebody, you finish. Just listen to me this morning, listen to me. I'm speaking to ministers this morning and there's great destiny in this place. But we're living in a time where God will share his glory with no man. In days gone by, people spoke more about men after meetings than about God. And I have a problem with that. We are called to glorify him. We are called to love him. We are called as the servants of God. And we can have everything together, but if we don't walk with God in integrity and honesty, and if we don't walk with God with sincerity, with all our hearts in love, before our Heavenly Father in humility. Although, yes, we are bold in the Spirit. Although, yes, we know and we are confident and we know of whom we have received and we know where we are on our way to. We know we have a destiny and heaven will, will back us and hell will not stop us and demons cannot keep us and Satanists cannot curse us because we know if God is for us, who can be against us? We know what is blessed cannot be cursed of God. But let's remember like David, when we become a king in business, or a king in ministry, if God raises you up, remember that you were a shepherd boy. Remember that you were a nobody. And when you were a nobody, God came and he made you a somebody. Never forget where you've come from, my brother and my sister. King Saul, the opposite of David, the Bible says, he was so humble when his time came to be anointed that he hid himself from the presence of God. But when God came and finally he was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be king, he started out humble. God changed him. The anointing changed him. He was a humble man before God. He was a nobody in the sight of God. He was a nobody in his own eyes. And we know that God specializes in making nobody somebody's taking you from zero to zero so that God can get the glory. But my brother and my sister, when, when Saul became successful as a king in Israel, he did one thing. He made a major mistake in his life. He forgot where he came from. He forgot that it was God who set him up. He forgot that it was God who made him. And he began to build monuments for himself and got people to honor and praise and worship him in the place of God. And God said, it regrets me that I've set up Saul as king over people. I will find another one. One that will do all my will from his heart. One whose heart is pure before God. Listen to me. And this is what Pastor Rob said last night. You don't need to be talented to be used by God in this hour. You don't need to be the most anointed. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, not many that are mighty are chosen. Not many that are noble are chosen. But God has chosen the weak things of this world, the things despised, the things least esteemed. Has God chosen that no flesh should glory in the presence of God? That's why, my brother, if you feel this morning, maybe you're not in a good place. Maybe, like Gideon, I'm the least 
in my family and our family is the weakest in all the tribe of Judah or Israel, then you're in a good place because God gives the invitation even though God knows the limitation. God will never turn his back on you. People may turn their back on you, but my brother, if there is somebody that believes in you, his name is Jehovah. If there is somebody that will never fail you, his name is God. If there is somebody that will never turn his back on you, David said, my father and my mother will leave me, but the Lord will take me up. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. God wants to take you from almost, from insignificance to significance. God wants to take you to prominence. From a David, a shepherd boy, somebody forgotten. When the prophet visits the house, God wants to take you from hiding to become a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. The question is this morning, are you ready to come out of your hiding. Are you ready to get up some stuff, to get over some stuff, some issues in your life, and to get on with a destiny that God has for you? Unfortunately, today, because of offense, too many people are sitting, settling, and cementing themselves in their offenses, in their should-haves, could-haves, almost, and they don't move on with a destiny that God has for them. Everybody has a story of yesterday. Everybody has a reason why they cannot be the man and the woman that God has called them to be. But this morning, my brother and my sister, when God looks at you, He looks at a mighty man, a person of purpose, a person of destiny, a man chosen like nobody else, an original one chosen for a time like this. And God says, Hey, your hour has come. It's time for you to stand up so that your family can come to Christ, so that your city, your village, your nation can know that God has come to visit in Jesus' name. So utmost is fullness of God's measure or mega most. So this morning we want to get ready to move from almost to utmost. We want to break out of the barriers of people. We want to break out of the labels that we are wearing. We want to break out of the opinions of our families. And we want to become the men and the women that God called us to be. And see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. Remember where we've come from. But know and understand if God before you. Who can be against you. Just like David said. I am fearfully and marvelously made. Marvelous are thy works. I'm not a nobody. I was a nobody. But now I'm a somebody. And when I rejoice. I rejoice in Christ. Because it is God that works in me. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. Can you say amen? Come on. Bump your neighbor and say he's talking to you this morning. Ek weet, is vroeg in die ochend, en van ons het een inspuiting nodig. En anders, some of us need a encouragement under our rusty dusty. Hello. Just smile if you're happy, and smile if you're not. Help us do this to feel for my... Listen quickly, Abraham Lincoln said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test the character of a man, give him power. All men can stand adversity, but give him power and you test a man's character. When God blesses a person, you see the character. Suddenly we walk differently. We talk differently. Sometimes we cannot discern whether it's Hollywood or the church. God has not called us to any greatness outside of Him. 
The very reason why God blessed Abraham was because God had a purpose. To gather a people unto himself. The very reason that God will bless you is not to make you the greatest evangelist in the world. Because God has a purpose. Because people are suffering and people are dying out there. The very reason that God wants to make you a somebody and take you to the utmost level is because there are people waiting on the other side of your obedience. And once you begin to understand that, my brother, you are not intimidated by your committee. You're not intimidated by your elder board. You're not intimidated by the devil. You just move on because you are no, you know you are the servant of God. You're not the servant of man. You're not going to fall out the race because of some offense, because of some ambition. You're going to stay there as a doorkeeper in the house of God, rather than sit at the tables of kings, and you're going to be faithful until God promotes you. I said until God promotes you. Exodus chapter 2, just a few verses very quickly together, please. Verse 11, the Bible says, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren. He went out, he was not sent out. God had a plan for his life, but Moses preempted the plan of God. Moses jumped ahead of the plan of God. There are many ministers today that are struggling that were never sent. Many people just buy a mi bought a microphone and went. Now how many of you know God does not feel sorry for you and God's not going to come to your pity party if you're out of the will of God? Well, now, my pastor never released me. Well, now, nobody recognized my gift. I'm sure I've never walked into a vegetable shop and saw a tomato sit on the shelf and say, Hey, I'm a tomato. My brother, when you function in the church, you don't have to be concerned about your future. What you need to be concerned about is being faithful in the house of God. And I've seen many people, I might be young, but I've been in ministry 14 years, and I've seen many people with great callings upon their life. And God was preparing them, getting ready to take them from almost to up, utmost, but they preempted the will of God. They jumped ahead of God. They were tired of serving a servant of God, tired of serving man. And it's sad to think that many people say, I will serve God, but I don't have to serve a man. You cannot serve God without serving a man, my brother and my sister. Jesus made it very clear. I had a man walk in my office once and he said, Pastor, I've served man for long enough. I'm no longer going to serve man. I'm going to serve God. And you don't need to know or even wonder where that man is today. So although the fire of God is in your heart, you have to wait patiently for God to prepare you, for the call of God to be nurtured, for the call and the timing of God to come to pass in your life. The Bible says He will make everything beautiful in its time. You cannot build a building because somebody else is building a building. You cannot buy a tent because somebody else buys a tent. You do it because God speaks. Because like Paul who said, after I've heard from heaven, I no longer have to confer with flesh and blood. You see, my brother, your ear is tuned to heaven. Your ear is not tuned to man. And success in ministry is for you to learn and to understand that you're the servant of God. And although the fire of God is in your heart to do something for God, you have to wait for the timing of God. You have to go with the timing of God. It's vital, my brother and sister. Sometimes timing is everything between success and failure. You do it too early, then you'll lose your inheritance. You wait too long, then God will raise up somebody else. When I came to Bloomfontein, God said to me just like this. He said, son, you're not my first choice. But I'll give you the opportunity to run for me. And I saw in heaven God give me like 
a baton and he said, will you run in this relay for me? Will you preach the gospel for me? Will you take responsibility? I'm sad to see how many people play when it comes to the kingdom of God. Will you take responsibility for your city? Will you become passionate for the souls of men and women? Will you get aside the games that are the norm of the day and humble yourself and seek me, seek my face, seek my presence, get my fire in your bones and begin to run with me even to the place of offense, but bring my deliverance, bring my salvation to a generation. And I know the urgency that has been in my heart so many times and the warning from the Spirit of God, if I don't, God will find another. And my brother, that does not make you insignificant. What it does, it puts everything in perspective because the kingdom of God does not evolve around little old me. The kingdom of God evolves around Jesus Christ. And I better be in the center of God's will for my life at the right time so that God can be glorified and not outboss of, can you say amen this morning? So he's Moses, I groot What's he saying? He was trained for that day. But watch what happens because of failure. How he loses his confidence and almost loses his ministry. The Bible says he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And he saw no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The things that you are covering will catch up with you. You can't be a great leader and still be covering up some stuff. Because it's going to catch up with you. <laughs> I don't like that. I never asked you to like it. I'm telling you the truth. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men. The one day he lives one life and the next day another life. He's the cruiser medic. The Shandai Hyundai tie my bow tie. When he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known, and he went into hiding. Because of failure. And listen to me this morning, my brother. We can thank God that failure is never fatal with God. As a matter of fact, the most natural thing to do when you fall down is to get back up again. Because God is a God of a second chance. He's not going to turn His back on you if you don't turn your back on Him. In verse 15 when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Watch again the calling of Moses coming out. He's a deliverer. He is there to help people. That is something natural in him when he starts out in his life. The Bible says it very mildly, but if you understand that after Moses killed the Egyptian, he went into the desert. For nine years he was alone. For nine years he suffered rejection. For nine years he walked around in his mind with, I shouldn't have. If only I never, if only I never killed the Egyptian, I could have been the ruler of God's people. If only I never did what I did, I could have been prominent in the kingdom of God. For nine years he went through soul searching. There are many people in the body of Christ that are paralyzed because of failures of the past. Paralyzed because of mistakes. 
paralyzed thinking that God cannot possibly use them. My brother, I have news for you this morning. It is your hour. No matter what you have done, if you will come to Christ with honesty and integrity, then God will come to you through His fire and God will raise you up and God will set you on the path of destiny again. But you have to believe that God is for you. You have to believe in the love of God. You have to believe that God will not turn His back on you. You have to believe that God will not keep silent forever and come back like that prodigal son. Even as a minister, if you are not experiencing that blessing of God in the utmost level, it's time for you like Jacob to come before the presence of God and get a hold of God and allow God to wrestle with you. Allow God to burn His fire in you. Allow God to change the old identity. Turn you from the Seba to Jacob to Israel, a prince with God, a mighty man of God like Gideon. I'm a nobody. God said, I will make you a somebody. Gideon said, I'm the least. My brother said, I'm the least. We're the weakest. God said, that's not what I said. I made you an original. I made you to stand out. I made you not to blend in. I made you never to be babes. I made you to be my man and my woman for this hour. In spite of your culture, in spite of your background, in spite of your tradition, my word is more true than your situation. If you will believe my word to come into your heart, my word has the power and the ability to lift you above and beyond your situation. And the seed of greatness will cause you to become the man and the woman that God intended you to be. Can you say Amen this morning. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20 to 36, you will read that Moses thought that the Israelites would receive him as the deliverer. He supposed. And very often we suppose this is the way that God's going to do it. And very seldom is it the way that God does it. How many of you have found that? We have everything worked out and when God comes suddenly, he does it exactly opposite to what we planned. Because God wants to be in control and God wants the glory and God wants the honor. Moses tries, number one, to fulfill his destiny in the flesh. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Abram tried to fulfill the promise of God in the flesh. Normally when the word of God comes to you, you will try to fulfill the will of God in the flesh. You will normally, because of inspiration and fire try and do it in your own strength i remember when i went to lady brand some of you don't even know where it is but it's about thirty thousand people in 1988 i went there the first time and at that stage i was doing evangelism in botswana uh, and uh, in different parts of south africa and i remember as i drove down into that little town the first time i said i said god will never put me in a small town like this god has called me for great things. My brother, guess what was wrong? The call of God was there, but the motive was impure. The motive was not the motive of God. And oftentimes, before we can fulfill the destiny of God, we have to go through a period of humility, humbly. So that when the almost becomes the utmost, we know it's not us, it's God. So that we do not rejoice in, our, in ourselves, but we know our, our, in our weakness, we are strong. We rejoice in Him. God did it. God blesses the church. It is God. It is God, and God gets all the glory, and the people come and they sense it's not the work of man, it's the work of God. People sense it's not the spirit of man, it's not the charisma of man. People sense it's the spirit of God. And my brother, my sister, that is the difference in a place when the spirit of God dwells in a place when God is honored. The Holy Ghost feels welcome, and the Holy Ghost will reside in the place because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, the church is the dwelling place of God in the earth. The church is God's dwelling place. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, the Bible says the church is the pillar and the ground of all truth. The church is where 
God rules from. God will rule from the midst of Zion. That's why God wants to be Lord over every meeting, Lord over every church, Lord over every ministry. And that's why, my brother and my sister, sometimes you run in that direction and think you're fighting the devil. But watch that it's not God that's standing in your way like Jacob. And when it's God, you're not going to get around him. You're not going to get under him. You're not going to get over him. God's going to stand there and God's going to resist you until you run into God and you do it not my way, Frank Sinatra's way, but you learn to do it God's way. You learn that it is not my might, not my power, but it is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen this morning? After the initial failure of Moses, he gave up and ran from his destiny to hide in the desert for 40 years. We know the story. Moses gave up on his destiny because of murder, because of failure, because of running ahead of God, preempting the will of God. My brother and my sister, the good news is God never gave up. The Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God will never turn his back on his children. Like the prodigal son, when he came home, the father was there waiting for him. Failure is never fatal with God. I say this and I want to say it again. The most natural thing to do when you fall down is to get back up again. How many Christians do you know that has been offended? They're sitting in their offense. They nursing, rehearsing, and cursing their offenses. They nurse their hurt. They nurse their pain. Walk around and pass it from one to another person. And the next moment there are two or three nursing, rehearsing. I just want to tell you what happened to me. Rehearsing, defiling, polluting the body of Christ, not understanding that if you don't bless, if you pronounce words from your mouth that does not edify and bless those words as they swallow, a curse causeless will not come and it will return back to you. And it will hurt your own life. It will hurt your own home. It will hurt your own family. Every time you speak a negative word about somebody, every time you open your mouth and you judge an idle word out of your mouth, that word will somehow, there is a cycle and will find you two years from now. And the next moment you're under depression, oppression, you don't know why. It's not the devil. It is the words that have come from your mouth, my brother, my sister, as Pastor Theo taught us so wonderfully yesterday. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. If you cannot bless, bless somebody, hush. If you cannot speak blessing in life, you need to hush. If you cannot bless another man's ministry, you need to hush. And many leaders, beautiful people in the body of Christ, because of hurt, are sitting in their offenses, cementing themselves, settling, inactive, become passive. They have their ten reasons. They can tell you why they're not involved. They can tell you why they're angry. They might be wrong, but because of the attitude they've become... They might be wrong, but right, but because of the attitude they've become wrong, my brother and my sister. Listen to me. The church is God's family. That which Pastor Theo reads every single night, we need to listen. The family of God is known by love. The church of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, faith worketh by love. When the love of God is in the place, Psalm 133, the Bible says, God commands His blessing upon the house, my brother. We cannot afford to come and hug our grudges. We cannot afford to keep on reverting back to the past bad experiences. It's time for us. Like David, even though he sinned, it's time after the child died, even though he committed adultery. And I'm not saying there's a license for sin. Listen to me very carefully this morning. Although he committed adultery and murder, when the child died, 
the Bible says he arose, he washed himself, he anointed himself, and he returned to his house and he blessed his wife because God is a God of a second chance. He's not a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And many people are struggling with guilt, with shame, with condemnation. They cannot forgive themselves because of what people say. People say, God will never forgive you. People said, you are finished. God says, you're not finished. God says, there's nothing that can separate you from my love, which is in Christ Jesus. God says, I will never turn my back from you. As far as the east is from the west, so far will I remove your transgressions from you. Listen to me this morning, my brother, my sister. God is a God of mercy and God is a God of compassion and God this morning believes in you. God this morning, like David said, he's laid his hand upon you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where will I go from your spirit? Where will I flee from your spirit? If I go into the uttermost parts of the earth, your hand will lead and guide me. If I make my bed in hell, even in the darkest place, there you will be. Your presence, the night shines as day. God, you are with me. God, you are committed to me. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, we need to understand the love of God. We need to be rooted and grounded in the love of God so that when the storms of life come, we know that our Father is for us. Our Father, He's not against us. We know we're going to come through. We don't have to go to plan B. We don't have to jump out of the pit or out of the pot, pot of His house or out of the prison. We know God is going to get us to the palace. We know that God is in control of our life. We know that he who promised is faithful. We don't have to do it for ourselves. We don't have to try a shortcut and think if he's my friend, then I will reach my destiny, my brother. You know that God is your Alpha and your Omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. God will get you to the end. God will get complete the work that he has begun in you. God who started the work, the author, the finisher, the developer, the perfecter of your faith is faithful to the end of time. God will never give up on you. David, his family gave up on him. Moses gave up on himself. Gideon believed he was the least and he was the weakest. But God said, I don't see as a man. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. I don't measure the head of a man. I measure the heart of a man. And I see a heart after my heart. A heart that will do all the will of God. My brother, listen to me this morning. Do you want to know where the blessing of God is this morning? The blessing of God is upon a man's heart, not upon a man's actions. The blessing of God is upon the intentions of a man's heart. When a man's heart is pure before God, when a man's motives are pure before God, and only God can see that, no man can see it, then the blessing of God automatically will just rest and reside upon the heart of that man. Why? Because God does not look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart of man. Can you say amen this morning? Hallelujah. Moses thought he'd blown it so badly that he went into a survival mode. People may give up on you, but God never will. Psalm 27 verse 10, the Bible says, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Romans 11 verse 29, the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God will never change his mind concerning his plan and purpose for your life. Forty years after wandering aimlessly in the wilderness, Moses has a God encounter. And the amazing thing about God is God does not come and communicate concerning the failures of Moses. God comes and communicates concerning the future of Moses. Because God knows you cannot drive a vehicle looking out the rear window. God knows you cannot move forward if you always revert and reflect back on the past experience. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, this one thing I do. I forget those things that are behind and I press on in Jesus' name. I reach forward to the goal, to the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I lay hold of those things that He has laid hold of me for me. He is my God. When God came to Moses, God gave him an invitation in spite of all his limitations. Now remember this Moses was a man that had great confidence and believed that he was to be the deliverer. 
He preempts the will of God. He preempts the plan of God. By several years, if you study the history of the nation of Israel, God had a time to deliver the people. But Moses runs ahead of the plan of God and he goes into the wilderness for 40 years. One day in Exodus chapter 3, as Moses goes out, just a normal day, there's a burning fire, a, a, a bush on fire and Moses has an encounter with God. And God comes to Moses because God is such a purposeful, purpose-driven God. God comes to Moses and he says, I've heard the cry of the children of Israel. I've come to deliver them. And like most charismatics, hallelujah, pastor, we have a prophecy. God's going to deliver our city. The lost is going to come in, but they don't read the next verse. God says, come now and I will send you because God will not do anything without partnership with man. God has chosen it. No deliverance will come to a nation, to a city without a man like Isaiah who says, here I am, Lord, send me without somebody allowing heaven to get into his heart. When God deals with you, He deals with His predetermined will for your life. He deals with your future and not your past. As a matter of fact, the blood of Jesus has not, not lost the power to wipe away your past. And then the Spirit of God will come and show you visions concerning the future that God has for you. But Moses was living as a victim of his past. When God called him, Moses made four excuses. Number one in Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. Remember in Exodus, we read earlier on that Moses believed he was the deliverer. If you study Acts, you will see that Moses was confident that people would receive him as the deliverer, but they never did. It was not the time of God for his life. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go? How many people today live unworthy and inferior, not believing that God can use them? Gideon, David, Moses, Peter, after failure, Denying Jesus Christ three times. Peter. Jesus, when he, rises from the, when he rose from the grave, he came to the woman at the tomb and he said, Go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm risen. Because he's the God of the second chance. He's not going to give up on Peter. He loves Peter. He has a plan and a purpose for the life of Peter. Go tell the disciples and 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 Peter. I still have a plan. I still have a purpose. He's still going to be the preacher on the day of Pentecost. He's still going to be the apostle. Tell the disciples and Peter. I am not against him. I am for him. I have prayed for him. I love him. Satan will not have him. I believe in his purpose and his destiny. Number one, Moses comes and he says, who am I? Inadequacy, despondency. He's at a low place in his life. He almost fulfilled the will of God. But he went about it the wrong way and lost what God had for him. But God comes back in Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. The second excuse that Moses made, he says, but suppose they will not believe me, God. Who am I, God? But suppose they will not believe me. I tried to build a building once before it never worked. Suppose they will not believe me. My brother, to fulfill the will of God, you need to go beyond the opinions and the expectations of men. Can you say amen? Number three, Moses said, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. So Moses tells a lie because when you read Acts chapter 7, you will find out that Moses was very eloquent. But because of setbacks, Moses lost his confidence. There are many Christians today that operate at 10%, 20%, 30% because something went wrong. And they're just surviving in the church, hanging in there, white-knuckled Christians. Not living the life and the level that God has for them. And my brother and my sister, it's time for you to get up from those things, to get over those things, and to get on with your life, and to allow God to take you from your almost to your utmost level. Can you say amen or glory to God this morning? 
And then number four, Moses said, use somebody else. Use somebody else, God, to finance the building project. And then the Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and God sent him and Moses went and became the deliverer that God intended him to be. Listen to me this morning. Too many people are living by default. They are victims of circumstances. I'm not in control. Yes, my brother, that's true. We cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond in any situation. We become better or we become better. We can control how we come through this situation. As we heard, if you're going through hell, hold on to Jesus and go right through because you will reach the other side. As Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. I have a question for you this morning. Maybe it is one. How long have you been sitting in your setback blaming somebody else? In our nation, people are blaming apartheid. Others are blaming affirmative action. Everybody has somebody to blame, and that means we are not responsible. God comes to Moses. He says, I have called you. You are my man. You stand up. You deliver the city. Don't speak about the economy. Change the economy. Bring transformation by preaching my word. Don't be trapped in your then when you should be living in your now. Too many are trapped in offense. Maybe the greatest sin of Jesus Christ today. Offense means to be entrapped or caged. You disqualify yourself from the race. You leave your church and join another church. Or you become like the Lone Ranger. And my brother, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And Silver. But today, Pastor, you don't have to worry Hallelujah. Some Christians are like pot plants. I don't want to mess up a decoration here, but let me control myself. Pastor, the Lord said, this is my church. Hallelujah. I'm going to be with you 40 years. Hallelujah. Three months later, Pastor, the Lord's moving me on. Don't the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, my brother, watch out. What did the Lord say? Because somebody's lying. And I say that straight. Don't think God's going to bless you because you're rebellious. Don't think God's going to bless you because you split somebody's church. If it was not started right, it's not going to finish right. If it was not birthed by God, God's not committed to it. If God never sent you and you only went, you're going to have to pay your bills. If it's a good idea, not a God idea, you're going to pay the price. Ishmael, born of the flame. And up to today, he's persecuting that which is born of the Spirit. You don't just get rid of the Ishmaels in your life. You better watch your decisions. Well, if Pastor Theo can do it, I can do it. Bless God. No, you can't. When I came to Bloemfontein, people said, how are you going to uh, uh, fill that man's shoes? I said, well, I never have filled another man's shoes. My shoes are a number nine. I'll fill my own shoes. Thank you very much. Somebody says, a great preacher, it's a hard act to follow. Well, thank God. Number one, we're not acting. Number two, we're not following anybody's act. We're just ourselves. First year I came to Bloemfontein from Lady Brand, I tell you, the anointing of God changed me. From just teaching the word of God, God called me according to Jeremiah chapter 1. Because we had a church, the church wasn't growing. The leaders were religious, whether they like it or not. Everybody had a position, nobody was doing anything. 
200 chosen and frozen week after. Bless you, my brother. Bless you, my brother. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm blessed. And I know that I am. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Yeah, bless you. Bless you. But what is the purpose? To become a blessing. And the people that blessed the most, spoke the most, I saw. The people who publicly, and I'm saying it's a norm, it's something I saw, who loved the most publicly, were the ones who divided. That church was divided four times. Let me just tell you, split four times. The church I took over in Bloomfield. When God called me there in 1994, there was about 200 people in that church. And every Sunday I preached, I had the pressure from everybody. As a matter of fact, out of 11 elders, three of those elders believed I had to come because I did not fit the profile. Because people want what they're comfortable with, but God will give you that which will challenge you. And I began to have an identity crisis, I'll be honest. Because I changed. All I had to do was bump heads. And then two prophets, two weeks in a row, came and said, Son, not knowing me, said, I've given you this personality and temperament for the call I've called you with. If you change, my deliverance cannot come to the city. Because Bloemfontein is a religious city like many other cities. And one thing I don't like is religion. Because everything is, let's just keep it decently in order, Pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's not offend anybody. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor, there's new people in church today. Hey! And somebody came and said, well, now, because we changed the music as well, because we were just singing as everything was beige. How many of you know God's not beige? Everybody blending in. <laughs> it's just been nice. Nice. When we reached 600 members, a lady came to me and said, Pastor, I hope the church doesn't grow any bigger because we don't know anybody. We don't know everybody anymore. I'm not comfortable in a big church. Well, what are you going to do in heaven? We have this wonderful Lily White, and let me say it. The Lily White has to change. And I said it to our church. When I came there, I said, there's something wrong. Out of 200 people, there were two people of color. I said, the first thing that's going to change you, we're going to bring people of color into this church because this does not represent Jesus Christ. And many left, went. God's calling us to move on, Pastor. Praise God. Yeah, your racism is calling you. Your prejudice is calling you. You can't worship God and be a racist in your heart. You can't think, and sometimes we think finances is like playing the lottery or the one-armed bandit. We live as we want to put our tithe and God's obligated to bless. God's not obligated to do anything. Let me just tell you very quickly. Your money is not playing the lottery. You better get that racism out of your heart. You say, how? Build relationship with somebody that's not like you. Don't justify it and say, well, I group the Afrikaners, hallelujah, pray, hallelujah. <laughs> because sometimes we say things and we don't think. Paul says, I become all things to all men that I may win more. 
What church are you? English of reconcept? I don't know. I've never asked God. We're a church. Well, it's not a far, bro. As the field's worth, man. Sounds with us. Fail a couple of our and hallelujah. Hallelujah. So live on so sterve. Let me just say this to you. 1989, when we started the church in Lady Brain, the first pastor I ever employed was a Canadian as black as they come, married to a lady as white and light as they come, if you can call it white, because we're all people of color, I understand it. And I'll tell you one thing, I was confronted when they joined the church. What am I going to do? They said right in front, great affection. That was before the elections, 94. When I came to Lady Brand, God said to me, just like this, son, you discriminate, I'll never bless you. And God taught me a lesson once. A man came and stopped with one of my pastors now with a bucket. And about 17 or 19 people piled out of the bucket. One problem, those days they were all black. I hardly saw it. As they walked past me, God said to me, you've sinned, repent. If those were 21 new white people, you would have jumped up and down and said, revivalists come to Lady Brand." Because you look on the outward appearance. And if you look on the outward appearance, I can't bless you. If you weigh people based on skin color, my brother, you're shallow like my shadow. You're not even skin deep. And many people left the church because of that. Bloemfontein as well, initially. Both sides. Because people came and said, it's the black man's hour. I say... Don't come to me and say it's the black man's hour and push me out of God's will. Don't come with that nonsense to me. It's not a black man's hour or a white man's hour or a colored man's hour. It's the church's hour. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. It's your hour to stand up and be the man of God in Jesus' name. Get the fire of God in your heart and you will love differently. You will walk differently. You will talk differently, my brother. We need to get the fire of Jesus Christ in our hearts to live the life that God has for us. Because when you encounter the fiery, the burning bush, my brother, you don't think like men. You don't talk like men. You don't walk like men. You don't build buildings the way committees decide to build their buildings. And you find out that God backs you. The first building we ever built, people said, how are we going to do it? Meeting with unbelief again in my name, in the name of Jesus. I don't care how long you've been born again, my brother. I don't care how many degrees you have this morning. If you don't have the fire of God on the inside, you're in a sad place and you need an encounter with God because it's the fire of God that will lift you to the next level. It's the Holy Ghost that will lift you to the next level. It's the presence of Jesus that will bring life to your situation. Not principle one, principle two, but being foolish. In the presence of God. And I tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes in your heart, you want to please the Holy Ghost. And the more dignified people want to become, that you fulfill the Holy Ghost push you to be more undignified in Jesus' name. Something stands up on the inside, rebels against the systems of men to bring the presence of God. Because if the job was going to be done the way we did it, it would have been done. And we have everything in place. People are still going to hell.
his place. It's his dwelling place. And when we come here, we come as children. We lose our titles. Oh, Pastor, I go for a million rand to the church now. Now what? Man walked up to me and said, I'll give you 5,000 rand if you sing Afrikaans song. I said, I'll never sing that song in my life again. I'm not trying to be arrogant yet, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to tell you. You have to stand for God. Joseph stood for God. He stood for God. He stood for God. There's not a recipe. The recipe is spelled G-O-D. You stand for God. You're a lover of God. You're a seeker of God. You're a chaser of God. You walk with God. We thank God for our teachers and our fathers. As we've heard, the wonderful testimony. She had many teachers, but not many fathers. I see the father that have fathered these young men, and they are blessed because there are few of them. But God's raising up others. We need to father, father, father the people. Catch the spirit of our father. Love our father. Have the heart of our father. Can't proclaim we love God and we have problems with our brothers. We love God and we have pets and we love God and, and we rob. We got people, people, listen to me. Leicester, 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 Leicester. Listen, the time has come for us to, to, to grow up, to get into the presence of God. In the good time, in the bad time, to get ourselves in the presence of God. That's where you find safety. That's in His presence. That's where David found his identity. That's where David raised to the new level from almost to utmost. Because sometimes we want to please man. We think if man ordains us or man puts his hand upon us, we're going to do something. Listen, I came out of the sticks and I'm nothing today. But we think sometimes if I know this one, if I get around this person, uh, and, and we get our self-esteem through relationships with people. My brother, you get your self-esteem in the presence of God. When you've been in the presence of God and you've heard God say, Son, it's okay. Son, I, there's nothing in the world that can assure you and comfort you the way that God does to still and calm the storm in your heart when you get yourself in the presence of God. And that was every mighty man in the Bible had that one thing in common. They walked with God. They walked with God. They walked with God. They were God-pleasers. And let me say this in closing. When you walk with God, it becomes lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. You don't become self-righteous. It just becomes lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. You don't want your spirit tainted anymore. You don't want. You want your spirit to be at peace with God. You want to be true before God so that when you stand up, God comes out of you. And not mental ascent. It's God who comes out of you. God. That's the difference. Two people can sing the same song. One changes people. Two can preach the same message. One changes people. Your future, your destiny, Moses, is in the burning bush. Peter, Pentecost, an encounter with God. And sometimes you may say, this is so basic, I don't need it. Well, fine. The fact is, we get so busy sometimes in the ministry that we neglect the most important thing. And we try, listen, let's be honest. You can walk in a place and sense God, right or wrong. I'm not being airy-fairy here today. Where God is honored, as he said to Solomon, my fire will burn in this place. Where God is honored, where God is revered, where God is worshipped. Pastor Theo stands on this platform and I've watched. The first thing he does, he lifts his hand, he says, let's worship Jesus. Let's get the attention back to Jesus. Let's worship Jesus. And when we're in the presence of Jesus, we can sing. We're one voice. 
black and white and angles and Afrikaans. And everybody, we become one voice in the purpose of God. And we find our significance in Him, our destiny in Him. And nobody's become somebody's. And the Spirit of God takes us from zero to zero. And we know we're the people of God. We are the people of God. We have no greater testimony than to be known as a people of God. We are God's people, a chosen generation. And my brother and my sister, listen to me. The last thing I want to say, if you will remember this and keep this in your heart, I'm nothing, but I've learned one thing. When I walk with Jesus, the blessing is there. I half the time don't even know how. Now, obviously, if you walk with Jesus, you can apply the principles in God's Word because His Word is exalted above His name. But when you walk prayerfully in your heart with Jesus Christ, and you seek to please Him, then His blessing will be upon your life all the days of your life. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving now, please, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank You this morning that when You look at us, You don't look at our inadequacies. You don't see our limitations. You don't look with the eye of man, but You look at our hearts. And Lord, when You look at us, You don't look at a crowd. You see individuals, people that you love, people that you died for, people that you care for. God, you are a personal God. You said the hairs on our head have been numbered. You know us intimately. You're acquainted with all our ways. And this morning, Father, many of us, we know that we're not living at the level that you are calling us. But in our hearts, there's a desire to break out of inferiority, of inadequacy, of offense. And sometimes, yes, Lord, it will be difficult to get back to the path of destiny. Sometimes we have to go back to people and make right with them for your blessing to come again. And I pray for your grace upon every single one in this place this morning. I pray, Father, as you promised, the rain in the time of the latter rain. I pray, Father, for a new desire in my heart and in every heart for a fresh relationship and walk with You. And I thank You, Father, that we can receive our significance in You. Thank You this morning that You are the God of the second chance. Thank You this morning, Father, that You never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank You this morning that You never left us comfortless. You sent the Holy Ghost to partner with us. And this morning, Lord, we turn unto You. We say, have mercy upon us, Father. In Jesus' name. Now, I just want to make one appeal here this morning while every head is bowed, every eye closed. You are living like Moses at the utmost, almost level. And you know God is knocking on the door of your heart this morning to take you to the utmost level. And part of that breakthrough of God are the principles that we've heard. As we apply these principles diligently, worshiping God, we will find ourselves automatically go to the new level. But my brother, this morning you need to believe that you are significant in the sight of God. You need to believe that God loves you. And if that is in your heart, you sense the fire, the presence of God pulling at your heart. And you know God wants to do something in your heart. I want you quickly. Don't do it, please. Don't do it because somebody else does it. Tommy Barnett said, if there's 7,000 people, one person is touched. I to fulfill the mission that God sent me to fulfill. If that is you this morning, I want you quickly, quickly, just stand to your feet and lift both your hands to heaven. Quickly. Lift both your hands to heaven and I'm going to pray for you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Get out of your, get into your heart right now. Just lift both your hands. Lift both your hands and pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I submit my life to you. And I ask you this morning, help me, Jesus, to get up and to get over everything that is hindering me from being your child that you've called me to be. This morning, I submit myself to your presence. And I ask you, Lord, breathe afresh upon me. I believe that my hour has come. And this morning, I salute you, Jesus. I surrender to you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. You are the lover of my soul. I honor you. And I ask you, make my life a vessel of glory fit for the Master's use. In Jesus' name. I'll never be the same again. I worship you, Jesus. I'm free, free, free to be your man or your woman. In Jesus' name. My hour has come. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you seal that word to every heart. I thank you for a mighty harvest. And I thank you for the presence, the life giver, the Holy Spirit who will enable each one of us in this nation and beyond the borders of this nation to be a people of God, undefiled, unspotted, unpolluted, to stand out in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, that your name may never be blasphemed, but whatever we do, that you always may receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you for taking us from almost to utmost. We believe this in Jesus' name. Let's give Jesus Christ a praise offering. God bless you. Amen.